Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. And we specifically uh, minister to women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. This morning, I am honored to introduce you to my friend, Clara. Clara Hinton is best known internationally for her book, Silent Grief, Hope 365, Daily Meditations for the Grieving Heart, and Child Loss, The Heartbreak and the Hope. She's worked as a grief facilitator, speaker, and writer for more than 30 years. And I met Miss Clara through her son, Jimmy, and I am a frequent flyer of the podcast that they host together. So welcome to Held and Heal, Miss Clara. Thank, thank you, Heather. I'm hoping you can hear me. I can. I awesome. Can yes, I can hear you loud and clear. We're going we're gonna to get this done today, despite technical difficulties. Perfect. There you go. And I it's, feel good. It's, it's amazing how we've never actually met face-to-face, and we haven't really had a conversation together, but I really feel like I know you. <laughs> I, I feel the same way, Heather. We have, we've done little snippets of texting yeah. and things like yeah. that, and through me um, listening to your podcast, mm. as well as through um, all of the wonderful things you have online on social media, I do feel like I know you and I know your heart. So mm. good yeah, day. it's it's like the, the good kind of family, you know, yes, when you, you feel like you've known each other forever. And I, I guess that I started listening to your own podcast back probably last summer. So it's been about a year, okay. a little bit more than a year that I've known who the Hintons are. And I am just so grateful. And when I see what you and Jimmy do together, um, that is my heart's deepest desire, that one day my sons and I will be kicking Satan's butt together. <laughs> I hope that happens for you. Yes. Because that is, that is what is my dream awesome. has always been, because <laughs> it is so powerful when families come together and Maybe fight yeah. and fight the darkness. So um, so tell us a little bit about you, um, how many kiddos, grandkiddos, oh, uh, the things that you love to do. <laughs> okay, let me see. We'll start with kiddos. I have been blessed with 11 wow. wonderful children. Wow. Um, that's a tribe, a whole that tribe. That is absolutely a tribe. Yes. About six and a half years ago now, though, we um, had a tragedy where mm-hmm. uh, one of my sons, my firstborn son, Mike, mm-hmm. um, died very unexpectedly. So mm-hmm. that brought some uh, heartache, big heartache into our family. And once again, um, I love that word family because we leaned on each other. We continue to lean on each other and we're helping each other travel this new journey. Yeah. Um, so together. But on a brighter side, I have 24 beautiful grandchildren, wow. and that's a big tribe. <laughs> and, uh, and I just found out last night around 730 that there is a little baby girl on the way. Oh, so, congratulations. I'm saying, I'm saying your tribe still has plenty of time to grow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So because have, you, you are a young grandmother with many grands and you will, you will get to know your great grandchildren. Like that tribe is just going to go on and that on. That tribe is going <laughs> and growing. So there's um, this thing called multiplication. <laughs> yeah. And when you start with 11 your odds are pretty good pretty doggone good yes <laughs> wow. So, wow so we are overjoyed with that um 
as far as hobbies, I am going to tell you, I love gardening. Yes. I yes. just love it. I love digging in the dirt and planting flowers and watching them bloom and anything that has to do with greenery and wildlife. I, I love, I just love the and outdoor. You, and you've created a beautiful memorial garden for your son's memory. That is just, I, I love, yeah, that is just a beautiful way to honor him. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just, um, that's a joy. And I feel like when I'm working in Mike's garden, I'm actually doing something for him. It's yeah. a connection and that's a time to pray. That's a time to talk to Mike and to God. And mm -hmm. I just feel so blessed that God has blessed me, honored me with being Mike's mother for 42 years. So, yeah. Yes. And I, I will um, link the silent grief book in this podcast because I am already thinking of women that desperately need that book. And I'm sure Wonderful. it would just really bless their hearts. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. So we have um, a lot of things to kind of unpack today. And I will just say, if, if I ask a question that you're not comfortable answering, just, oh, totally. Because I want okay. to be very, to be right. very sensitive um, okay. to you and to your story because there are bits and pieces that are beyond my ability to comprehend the things that you've walked through. Um, you've already shared about the grief of losing a child, which I have not experienced that. I have several friends who have and are mm -hmm. walking through that grief. And I'll be honest, I don't want to imagine. You know how we no. say, I can't imagine? <laughs> right. I say, I don't want to imagine that mm -hmm. like God be with you and God be near to you and other mothers, because it is not the natural order for no. a mother to bury her child. And I, I am so sorry that you have walked through that. Thank you, Heather. Thank and, you so I, and I just, I thank you for the ways that you, even in the midst of your grief, you want to help others heal. And that's just says so much about you and your character and your heart. So, so wow. there's, there's another part to your story. And yes. because, because my um, audience of ladies primarily are women who are rebuilding their lives after any and all forms and any combination of abuse. Um, today, I just welcome you to share a little bit of your story. You okay. married, were you pretty young when you got married? I was 21 years old. Yep, that's young. Yep, that was young. When I look back now, I think, whoa, it's a big decision to make at that age. Um, it truly, it truly is. Like my parents were married when, um, I guess 18 and 20 and wow. I got yeah. married at 22. I thought I was old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when yeah. my kids are 21 and 20, I'm like, no, that's not uh, old at all. <laughs> yeah. Wait no. till you're 40, figure some oh, stuff boy. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So you got married at 21 and yeah. just tell us a little bit about those early years and who you thought you were marrying. Well, I prayed from a young child up that I would marry a Christian. I had no other goals mm -hmm. other than to become a wife and mother and to do that as a Christian. I came from a very, um, I would say, just a kind of a rough background. My mm. mother was an alcoholic, a severe alcoholic, died from alcoholism at the age of 58. Um, My father uh, left us 
at when I was 14 and I still remember that moment very clearly Mm. and he just pretty much just walked away from the family I had a young sister who died at the age of 13 a very tragic death very it was that was horrible um she had asthma and I I believe the issue that her death was the issue that crumbled my parents' marriage. Wow. Um, they just could not deal with that sadness. And it was horrific. It truly was. Back in the day, we didn't have hospice like we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was uh, chronically ill and not expected to live, which was not told to me, but she was uh, placed in a home. It was called the Betty Backrack Home by the sea and that is where they put children who were in iron lungs this will date me Mm. um clear back little polio victims and and um children like her who were not expected to live and it was horrible the last six months of her life was lived away in in this home and we had visitation on one day of sundays but she died at age 13. I was 15 when that happened. And I knew that I wanted a life that was centered around God um, because I saw what happened when a life was not centered around God. It was just a terrible, rough life. Mm. Anyway, I went to a Christian college, Northeastern Christian College, and I fell in love at the end of year one with a man that I thought was the the answer to my prayers. Mm -hmm. And I prayed constantly to God to, um, you know, how we want some kind of a sign or something from God. And I felt like this, that I was getting all signs to go. This was it. This was the man. And so we married at the end of my second year of college. And we actually moved out to Oklahoma where, um, Oklahoma Christian College was where John continued uh, to get a master's actually in Bible of all Mm. things. Mm. So we uh, began our family. I had my first child out in Oklahoma. And then we, interestingly, he became a youth pastor Mm. and at a large church. And one evening he came home and just announced that he had been fired. The elders had called him in. And I I mean, I was shocked, totally shocked. And I said, what happened? And he just said, they just feel that I don't communicate well enough. And they fired me. It kind of made sense, I guess. I, you know, I know things happen. And anyway, that was the beginning of a long haul of ministry. We moved back to Pennsylvania, settled in with a small church in Somerset, Pennsylvania, where I remained a preacher's wife for some almost 40 years. Mm. Um, And we were in ministry here. There were oddities along the way which I talk about in depth on my website, um, findingahealingplace.com for those that might be interested. I've I've detailed that journey, that that 30 something year journey on on that uh, finding a healing place. 
But the long and the short story is that uh, one evening I was sitting in my home office and I received an email around midnight. It was from my youngest daughter, who was in the next room, by the way, in her bedroom. Mm. And the title of the email said, description of a pedophile. Mm. And Um. below it, it had a several bullet points of a pedophile which made no sense to me at all. And I remember walking those few steps into her bedroom and asking her, I said, what, you know, what is this? And she burst into tears. And that's when I learned that my husband had been abusing her. And I'm allowed to say, you know, Alex, she's been interviewed actually on the podcast uh, several times now. And that opened a door that I never thought we would enter, that I never wanted to enter, that I wish never existed. And I found out on that evening that the man I was married to for all those years was a child abuser, sex abuser. And that began a whole new series in our lives for our family. Wow. I I can't even imagine like as a mom receiving that, that news, Uh, you guys were already, were you separated, divorced? We had separated. Okay. You were separated. Yes. And the reason being John along the way had, uh, he sold insurance um, as a supplemental income. He never got paid. Uh, more than a hundred dollars a week for his preaching Mm -hmm. and so obviously a a large family we needed more income so he sold insurance he had gotten himself in a lot of trouble with selling false securities um, and the state it, it became actually a federal issue with him he it it was a mess just a total mess And that began to open my eyes to to a different person. I would hear him talking on the phone and laughing, kind of mocking at um, taking money from people. Mm. It it was horrible. It it was just horrible. And at that point, I began to really not like him, to be honest with you. Sure, absolutely. And there were things all along the way. there, There was a lot of emotional abuse that I never put a label on. I I had gotten myself into some counseling and um, it was then that my eyes began to open a bit as to what abuse truly is. I knew I felt terrible inside. I was depressed, I was lonely, I was sad. I didn't know what was going on. And those that are pastor's wives, I know they can identify with a lot of what I'm saying because it's a lonely life in in many ways. Yes. Um, It's difficult often to share things like this with others. And especially in our tiny congregation where people looked up to us as being the epitome of what family and husband and wife should be. Right. Tried a couple of times to talk to a some best friends and I was shut down right away and said, you must be exaggerating. This can't be the truth. You know, this can't be what's happening and, you know, on and on. But um, we had separated. John was not happy about it um, at all. 
and he let me know that I would suffer because of it. Uh, There again, I saw a side of him that only I was seeing. It, It was interesting how hidden that part of him was to others right others he was the pitiful poor preacher whose wife became this mean unsupportive person in a time of crises when he was going through all kinds of things with the government um and he you know he was alone so to speak his wife didn't support him and, you know, I took the brunt of that. A lot of people within the church stopped talking to me um, because I was not supportive of him. And and that's another whole ball of wax. That yeah, whole, absolutely. That whole ordeal. <laughs> but um, we were it, separated. It is, it is a ball of wax and it's an it, ugly ball of wax. Yeah. And yeah. What, what churches teach about forgiveness and bitterness right. and all that, um, very rarely do they have anything to do with God's actual word and character. You are so right. There is this pounding people over the head to forgive. And there's rarely, rarely is there any kind of accountability whatsoever on the part of the abuser. And I I saw a meme the other day. I I hope I can say this correctly, but churches need to spend less time telling people to turn the other cheek and more time telling people to stop slapping each other. (laughs) I love that. And I'm like, we've we've got this so, so in reverse. Right. Like if you deal with the root of abuse and you dig that root up, then you're not going to have people leaving churches in droves. You're not going to have marriages dissolving. Like you have to deal with the abuse and stop judging and condemning the people that are jumping off of the sinking, burning ships. You got it. You got it. You know, I feel You know, I feel strongly about this. Yes, I do. And (laughs) I'm so glad that you do. And I, you know, I get, um, I get blasted for being a hater. And I'm like, what I hate is abuse. What I love are the people that are still in the fire that I want to pull out of the fire. And I would stand to say that God feels the same way. (laughs) I know that God does. I know know he does. I know my God and he's a good God and he's a just God and he's a God of mercy and truth and justice. So, and what you're saying about the, the loneliness of being a pastor's wife, let's spend a little bit of time there because. I know that there are women who are going to hear this, that either their husbands are pastors or they're in some other leadership role in the church and they have their public persona and their private persona. And these women are so alone and they are sworn to secrecy and they are threatened. And even even the ones that do know that they're being abused can't come forward because they fear what he's going to do. If he's going to get the kids, if he's going to totally, you know, when you guys did the interview about the pastor that was imprisoned and what was really going on with his wife and immediately all of these big leaders were coming at her. Yes. <laughs> and oh yeah. Accusing yes. her of yes. adultery. Yes. And I'm like, that is the reality for so many women who want to get free and be safe. That's the reality. They're like, if I speak up, he's going to destroy me. Mm-hmm. He'll you get you know, at year 10, Heather of my marriage, I knew I felt like I was dying inside. Mm. That's a horrible feeling to Mm. feel that way. And I journaled for a while and I have torn up and thrown out every one Mm. of those journals because it was too sad for me to read. And I'm thinking, why did I stay? Mm. Because of this whole church persona and this whole 
you must stay with your husband no matter what. Yes. And when you are in ministry or your husband has some kind of leadership within the church, I I felt like there was such a double life with him. Absolutely. I had women repeatedly come up to me and say, you are the luckiest person in the world to have him as your husband. Mm. And inside, I would think if you only knew. Inside you're inside you're thinking, would you please take him? Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> you can have him. I did think that several <laughs> times. Please. Oh, I, I really oh, did. Yes. But, yeah. You know, we can laugh about it, but yeah, we're in well, that situation. It's not actually funny. It was just horrible. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it really is. They build such a beautiful, um, beautiful wall. Uh, around them Mm. and it's a stronghold it's where people see this wonderful lovable yes kind forgiving uh, patient man when when you look at the heart wow it's way different way way different and I would be reminded you do know you have at that time I had never worked an outside job out of Correct. the home yes. Yes. since we were married and had children. And I would be told, you do know you would never be yep. able to support yourself. Never. Yes. And I, that scared me so much. And I thought, you're right. And then you do know nobody would ever believe you. Mm-hmm. You know that. You yeah. know that they'll think you're crazy. And I'll tell you what, for a while, I thought I was crazy. Oh, I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called crazy making for a reason because yeah. they yep. spin everything around gaslight, project, yeah. and, turn, and you don't even know what your first name is, what your yeah. birth date was, what you even came into the conversation to bring forth because everything gets twisted and turned. You got it. And you instead it. of saying, why does she stay? What we need to turn, because that's victim shaming and victim mm-hmm. We need to say, why does he abuse her? And why are yes. we her get him get away with this? Right. Because most women stay because they think it's the only way they're going to keep their children. They think it's the only yes. way they're going to keep their home. And they really think it's the only way. A lot of women believe that God's going to hate them if they divorce. Yeah. Her. Oh, I, I, up until one year ago. Wow. Truthfully, I could wow. not say that we were. Um, separated, let alone divorced. There was such a self-shame because as a child, I vowed to Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. and before God, I would never do that. That, you know, when I married, it was for life. And, and honestly, the church taught that, that you, you know, you were, this was for life. This was a vow before God that I made uh, the most solemn of all vows. And I would never break that. And it, the guilt ate me up for You did it. You, did, you didn't break mm-hmm. your vow. He broke yes. your vow. Yes. Yeah, and, exactly. And, that, and that's what we need. That we need that message right. to go out. The one who abuses, the one who commits adultery, the one who has the addictions, they're the covenant breakers and the vow breakers, not the person who says, I can't live with that any longer right and you know it's not taught though is no. it that no. part isn't taught and god doesn't expect us 
to live with an abusive person. God doesn't want us to live with that person. That's right. Um, That's not God's desire for us. But it has taken me a long, long time to work, you know, to work through that. Um, Strip it down and get to the heart. And, you know, we as mothers, we love our children. We would down our lives and give up our lives for our children. We would do anything if we believed it was for their good. We would do anything for them. And then we have this idea that God wants us to stay Mm -hmm. in the dangerous, abusive situations. And isn't like it doesn't even make sense. No. But that's what we've been taught. We have been taught. We have been drilled. That yes. and we have and been Clara drilled. Clara and I are here to say that's not God. That's not the heart no. of the Father. He loves his daughters and he loves you, his daughter, more than he loves your marriage and institution. We will go down. We'll go down fighting for that truth. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he loves amen. people. Yes. He died for people, not marriage, you know, and right. it's just... We we're hearing more and more stories. And as ministries like yours are out there doing the hard, hard work, like more and more stories come forward every single week. I, I don't even know how you guys like manage to weed through or listen to or read everything that's sent your way, but there is a shaking that is going on. And some people, some people say a reformation, but Mm -hmm. we, we need to get past this idea that speaking out against abuse is going to mar God's character. Abuse, abuse in the church done in the name of God is what's doing the damage, not the bringing and speaking out against the abuse. Right. And so your family does such an incredible job of speaking the truth and pointing people to resources. Um, Jimmy has read any speculation of how many books he's read on the topic of oh my <laughs> I'll tell you well he's done his homework that yeah. boy, and they're that... not easy books to read no they no. are not no yeah. he is amazing with that he has just saturated himself mm-hmm. with with that and honestly I'm so proud of him I yeah. really am because not all pastors agree with what Jimmy says and, and teaches. Yeah, um, well, because he's calling a lot of them out. He when he calls it exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want to be called out. But no. I know that if I lived anywhere near you all, I know that I could walk into your church and I could feel safe because you, yes, you all have set up parameters and you yes. have guidelines and wolves are not welcome and survivors are. Why exactly. is that not more common? That it's usually the reverse. It is, and we 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 see it every day. We get emails every single day about that still going on where the wolves are sheltered the wolves are coddled yes the wolves are protected Mm. um you know and it's like why jimmy and i talk about that every week it's like when is that part going to change i believe there's an underlying change but Mm -hmm. it's it's happening but Mm -hmm. it's slow it's not but I think for it to change, a lot of people have to leave churches they because do. a lot of churches won't do the right thing. Right. You they're, choosing, they're choosing not to. So mm-hmm. maybe when the seats are completely empty, then the message will be clear. That's, it's, sometimes <laughs> it takes that. Yeah, there, is this, there is this amazing movement. Um, several people have referred to it as a church without walls. Mm-hmm. And as much as I am grieved about a lot of things that went down in 2020 and 21, and I have a lot of very strong opinions about what's going on in our world, 
one good thing is that it did begin to reveal and bring a lot of church corruption to the surface. It did. Absolutely. And a lot of people for mm-hmm. the first time were realizing that there were things in place, systems in place within their churches. And a lot of pastors became like televangelists in a mm-hmm. season and a season where they could have been going out and meeting tangible needs and literally right. taking food to people and right. like being the hands and feet boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them were concerned about, you know, their Facebook likes and their <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and a lot of people suddenly realized they weren't really missing anything because mm-hmm. they didn't have true depth of relationship mm-hmm. or community with anybody at their churches. Right. A lot of I, it was flaky, fluffy, just nonsense that they could seriously live without. So now we have this whole movement of people who were wounded by the church that didn't feel right. safe in the church, mm-hmm. but we're able to use technology and two or more gathering face to face. And there's beautiful ministry happening. My heart is smiling as you're talking because that is so true. Yes. There's beautiful, real heart connection, real healing where we're talking Mm -hmm. about things other than the weather. Right. And we're really, we're really, when I get together with a bunch of survivors that don't know each other, we do this once a month. We go out Uh for dinner. We'll spend three or four hours together. That is so wonderful. And they didn't even know each other before dinner. (laughs) Love it. Love, isn't that the great? It's, it it's is. Like the yes. You just, you just don't is. have time for the fluff and nonsense. You right. go straight, yep. straight yep. for the heart. Love it. Yes. And they're they're not necessarily like bearing the deepest, darkest, because we really encourage that details be kept, say, you know, uh-huh. tucked away right. because they can really trigger other people. Sure. But the skeleton or the outline of their story, like women are so ready to share that with somebody yes. who will not judge them, will not condemn them. And, and gets it. And so when I read the Bible and I read two or more, do you think that was an intentional thing he put in there? That was, that was, I know. You get it. You totally get it. I do. I do. And I long, I long for every person to experience what I have found. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't go to a church with walls and maybe I don't participate in corporate religion, but man, I get to do church in the purest yeah most acts to way. Yes. And I love what you referenced before being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I, I refer to that a lot that, and when we're doing that, doesn't it bring pure joy into our life? Oh, it is. It's messy. Let's admit it's very messy. It's (laughs) messy, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. It can get pretty messy. Over tacos. We talk about things that that restaurant has never, those walls have never heard before. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, Oh, Oh. goodness. So what would you say to that, that pastor's wife right now um, that maybe, maybe she doesn't have the, the pedophilia happening in her home because her story is, um, oh my lands. Um, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but what would you say to the pastor's wife right now who maybe has become familiar with the power and control wheel, or maybe she has studied what I promote every chance I get is the 13 patterns and systems of abuse where Sarah McDougall in the book, safe churches, right. She took the power and control wheel and expanded more categories. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually 13 patterns and systems. Right. So what would you say to a woman who is married to someone in church leadership 
And she's starting to recognize, okay, he is abusing me verbally. He is abusing me emotionally. He is using the kids as a pawn against me. Maybe he is abusing me sexually, which by the way, pornography and affairs and all those things fall into the category of sexual abuse. Yeah. So what, what would your, what would you want to say to any woman that might be listening right now who is married to a church leader and doesn't see a way out? I know that's loaded. First, that's a loaded question. I know. I just, I just give you the (laughs) big assignments. Big assignment there (laughs) to put it very briefly. You are something, Heather. (laughs) Solve all the Lord's problems in the next 10 minutes. Wow. We're going to sum this up in a sentence. No, what I would say is number one, you are not alone. Mm. Number two, God does not approve Mm. at all of what is going on. Mm. Number three, God is on your side. Oh, good. good. Number four, there is available help. I I honestly thought I would be totally alone. Mm. I was not. Mm. There are resources out there. There are people that will help. Mm. There are true friendships that will come to you in your time. need, even though you may be feeling like the loneliest person right now struggling through this, um, you are not um, the boldness that you need will come from God exactly when you need it. Mm. Um, I, I was amazed and just so thankful at how God worked in my life. God, Mm. when I look back now, the workings of God were uh, what I call near miraculous, how Mm -hmm. God helped me to detangle my life and detach Mm -hmm. my life from the evil. Mm -hmm. And and I call it evil. Um, Everything about abuse is evil. God despises it. Mm -hmm. And mental abuse is every bit as bad as physical abuse and sometimes uh, people want to lighten that and say well it's not that bad you can deal with it or it is that bad it Mm. destroys it chips away at the very soul of a person and that mental abuse is wrong god despises that amen amen yes yes um i would just say I mean, all of those things, we need to know that God in the very end and the very utmost, God loves us. Mm. God is with us. Mm. And God, I do believe that God, um, there is a spark within us. I call it a spark of hope, mm. um, that breath of life that God has breathed in us. And when we align our lives with God, um, God helps us in ways that we don't understand, but he moves us also, you know, pray, be a praying person and ask God for that help. Reach out. Um, There are ones like you, Heather, um, your podcast blows me away. Mm. Your work absolutely Mm. thrills my heart because um, you've created a safe place for women Mm. Um, and for pastor's wives. There is no shame and saying no more. Mm. Uh, there is no shame in that. In fact, God approves of us saying that. Um, yeah. It has taken me years and lots of work to understand that. But Heather and I, it, we're both saying, yes, God approves of you saying no more. Yeah. 
and getting, you know, finding your way to leave that situation. Um, I just believe every woman that is in that situation deserves a life away from abuse. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is a mighty, mighty army that's rising up. Absolutely. Yes. We'll refer to it even as an underground railroad of sorts. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't want to like minimize, you know, what the underground railroad did, but it's all about bringing people from darkness to light and from death to life. And I started doing some group coaching because, you know, just the amount of people that I interact with um, regularly, it's just mm-hmm. impossible to keep, you know, it's impossible right. to keep it up. Is. So, yeah. so just to maximize resources and time and energy, I've started group and I, I, I started with 12 truths that I wish mm-hmm. I had known 20, 15, 10 years Aww. ago. Yeah. yeah. And the first one is God loves you. Yes. Or we, we personalize it so that yeah. they're speaking to them. God loves mm-hmm. me, his daughter, and he wants me to be safe and well. Yes. It's like so foundational and some people really don't believe that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> because well, you know, yeah, we've been beaten down to the yes. point of where we, we don't feel it. We don't yeah. feel worthy also. Absolutely. And then the yeah. second one is what we said earlier, that God loves me a person more than he loves my marriage and institution. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we just kind of build week upon week. And then I woke up this morning from a horrific, horrific nightmare. So oh, no. we were having, we were having these technical difficulties and I'm bending down to get my dog and put her on the bed here. <laughs> um, okay. We were having technical difficulties this morning and I woke up from this nightmare and it's just, you can see the spiritual warfare that's mm-hmm. happening. The enemy, the enemy doesn't want us joining forces. He doesn't want two or more gathering right in my dream last night. There were various abusers from my past. Okay. This, all these, all these different people. It was like a horror movie. Oh, wow. I'm not going to go into the details, Mm -hmm. but physically they did to me what they verbally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually did to Mm -hmm. me. And I, my question was, if we could see the other forms of abuse, like we can see physical abuse, Mm -hmm. would it change the way we, we treat the wounded? Yes. Mm-hmm. If we could bear yeah. on the outside of our bodies, right. the open gaping wounds, mm-hmm. that verbal, emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, all the other forms, sexual abuse, all the things that those do to us, if we could bear that on our arms and on our legs and on our torso and our faces, would the church respond differently? Mm-hmm. Would the world and the justice system and law enforcement respond differently? Mm-hmm. So. I just really like put that. And then of all things, I go and I open up my inbox and there's a message from someone sending me a very spiritually abusive podcast Mm -hmm. to listen to and equating walking away from spiritual abuse and the church as disowning God. And those two things are not the same. No, those two things are not the same. We, many, many of us are clinging to Jesus, like never before. Yes. Yes, Heather. And I never before, I think that needs to be, um, pronounced more and more because a lot of people do equate when you stop going to a physical building, you have walked away from God. Not so. No, I am running into the arms of my savior and I am clinging to him. Like Mm -hmm. I have never before. And I have peace and joy in my life for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And and it shows and we, it, you know, you can hear it. You can see it. You can't can't fake that stuff. You really can't fake it. Like I wanted it most of my life. I prayed for Mm -hmm. it and I longed for it and I yearned for it. I just didn't know what it felt like to feel joy and peace inside. Right. 
Right. So we, we are saying to you women out there that you are seen, you are believed, you yeah. are loved, you are not alone, that God has a place for you in his kingdom. He has ministry for you. There was right. another oh, situation. Yeah. There was another situation that came up this week where someone had said inside the group that, that women do not belong in leadership, period. And I was like, whoa, ah. you are clearly not in the right group. That <laughs> is not the Bible I read, not the God and, I worship. And was just yeah. beating this whole like male over female uh-huh. thing into uh-huh. the ground. And I was like, clearly this is not the right place for you because uh-huh. God loves his daughters. God loves his uh-huh. sons. And in his kingdom, the only person that has hierarchy over anyone is his son. Right. That's it. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. there's the rest of us. Jesus yeah. is the favorite. And then there's the rest of us. Yep. <laughs> and to me, that's pretty stinking simple. It is. It truly is. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I really, um, I welcome the opportunity to come on and do this again because you and I could probably talk until the cows come home. We could, Heather. And I really hope that at some point we can meet face-to-face. I would love to have you come for our next retreat because I'd, I'd love to have you as a speaker. I so plan on yes. that. Yeah, Thank I will so send much. you the dates because these ladies love you. So many people in my in my circle, um, know you and your family and just have so much respect for you. And, um, we're just grateful that you were willing because it would be so easy just to hide in a hole. No, it'd be so easy to just go hide in a hole when you're dealing with what you're dealing with, but you all came out. You did, you did everything. And let me just say this for the sake of listeners who maybe don't know your story. You all went to the police immediately. We did. When yes. your daughter came, like, except that they were yeah. closed on the weekend, small town USA, right. but you went on Monday morning, we went on you Monday reported morning. the crime, there. the crime of yes. what your ex had done to your child. Yeah. And that is how this needs mm-hmm. to be handled. Right. Thank always, you. always, okay. always. Yes. And so when I heard that about you guys, like out the gate, I was like, I respect these people. I respect Thank these you. people. Thank you. Because most churches would pray about it and have a board meeting about it. At, no. <laughs> And shove it under a rug. Shove it under a rug so that they, so that the wolf could go and devour more sheep. You said, you guys said the stops here, not on my watch. Right. Absolutely. And you are a huge example to the world and to the church of what justice really looks like. So I just honor you as a woman of God. I honor you as a mother and a grandmother. I honor you as a prolific speaker and writer. Thank you. a warrior, a mad, fierce warrior. Well, <laughs> you are my warrior girl. I'll oh. tell you. <laughs> well, and if you guys are ever taking applications for adoption into the Hinton family, <laughs> let me know. I will, okay. I will get my application in. Okay, you got so, it. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. We will do this again. And um, yes, yes, we will. Just pray. And, and tell people again the name of your um, your website or your blog. Okay, findingahealingplace.com. Okay, I will add that okay. link in the show notes. Wonderful. And Thank I'll you. also add this Speak Out Against Sexual uh, Abuse, Sex Abuse uh, podcast so link. And of course, you guys can find her um, through Jimmy as well. And right. please listen to their podcast together. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Claire. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you to all of our listeners today for joining us. Um, as always, you can find us uh, Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. That's a Facebook group that is private and secret for women only. Or you can contact me at heatherelizabeth.org. Blessings to you on your healing journey. Mm-hmm.